Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We're so delighted to be in the studio again today. I'm Greg Thomas. Next to me again is our good friend Dave Ham. Hey, Greg. And uh, we've got some very special guests very special. today. Uh, so glad to have, and I'm going to tell you who they are in a minute. Uh, but let's catch up. We've just been oh my busy goodness. like all get out. And we're getting busy. into this holiday season, Christmas and Thanksgiving. I feel like it's been rushed too. Like I was just walking around the church and I was in the annex. I saw Christmas trees. I'm like, I haven't yes. even had my turkey. <laughs> I haven't even had my turkey yet and there's Christmas trees. They're Stop. already putting the trees up. Yeah, <laughs> and the garland and all that stuff, man. But it's, uh, it's a real happy time around here. It is. Uh, it, it always is during the Christmas season and uh, because so many people are unhappy. Yeah. And this is uh, the time of year where we get to spread a little joy. Yeah. And uh, so we thank God for that. Well, you know what? We've got some wonderful guests, and I want to get right to them because there's going to be so much to talk about. You're going to be so blessed. We've got in the studio with us today somebody we've been trying to get in here for a year, what? two. We want to give it that. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been seeking him out for a little yeah. while. He's busy. He's probably in great demand. He pastors a church. He, you know what? Let's just say his name. This is Passive Joseph Henry Cortese. Don't Cross worry, you are, you are one of millions of people who <laughs> have put my, first. my middle name first, <laughs> and sometimes I just wanted to leave it like that, because I love it. He prefers Joe. In the studio today, it'll be Pastor Joe. Can, Pastor can we, Joe. Can we do that? I, I, and First Lady. I, yeah, uh, first Lady. Melissa. Oh, yes. Oh, no. no, just we Melissa. <laughs> he is here with his lovely wife, Melissa Cortese, and uh, they pastor... Crossroads Tabernacle in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Castle Ooh. Hill section. Castle Hill. Heard a lot about it. Explosive church. Yeah, some wonderful things coming out of there. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about the music. We're going to talk about the musician. We're going to talk about the pastor. We're going to talk about all of that. Good stuff. Uh, now, you guys, Dave, you, you've known Pastor Cortese for I've some time I've known Pastor now. Joe for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, well, for me, it's uh, it's the, the Nikki Cruz days, but yeah. it, could, it, could, it could go before. For that, but because I'm concerned that I may have early onset, I'll let you decide <laughs> when the date or the better time would uh, would be. But I remember hearing your name as well for a long time, and yeah. hearing uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. I, re- I remember it was suggested to me that I seek you out, oh man, and find out um, uh, 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 what's up with you because I know that Crossroads uh, there was a time where we were. We were looking for leadership, you know, leadership, and um, and asking God to, to to bring if the treasure is not in the house, yeah. bring you know to us. And I remember there was a season. I believe you guys came to my home. I was family. at crossroads. Yeah, no, no pun, pun intended. intended. Wow. Ah. Yeah. I I loved I love I personally love that. I love to meet up with people that are that while we're looking, they're looking. Yeah. And and let's just see what happens. Yeah. And it's it's uh it, it's it's great. Uh, it was a, an incredible just embrace that I received from the Cortezes in that time. We, uh, we were in a crossroads and my wife and I came and I, uh, there's some moments in that meeting that really stood out as just, of course, their love for us. But that grilled steak oh, yeah. that she did, <laughs> oh, wow. I still talk about it with no. my wife. I was going to bring that up. That's the funny thing. Yes, <laughs> you remember that? Absolutely. Because oh, I didn't goodness. cook it. 
Let me tell you. Go to the Cortese house. <laughs> yeah, but that's the other thing. My husband not only is a musician, but he's a phenomenal yes. cook. I don't cook at I all. We are, we are going things. to Crossroads. No, yeah, two yeah, things we'll yeah. experience when we go to Crossroads and we go to their house. Uh-huh. Grilled steak and jazz. Those two combinations, <laughs> you're going to get them at the Cortese home. Awesome. It was an amazing experience. That's what, Well, we got to go. Yeah, yeah, well, when, listen, when all you want to do is eat, you figure out how to cook. So, I mean, look at me. That's the motivation already. You know, <laughs> yeah. let's just go eat, and then we'll see what yeah. kind of fellowship comes out of the, yeah. the state. But I was introduced <laughs> to the Cortese's um, and their ministry in 1998. Mm-hmm. And I was a youth pastor in Queens. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first road trips I took my young people to the Bronx because I found out that there is a church implementing hip hop in mm-hmm. their ministry. And that was, was it called Crossroads then? Crossroads Tabernacle. Crossroads. And it was that they had a hip hop ministry, a hip hop group, a, a hip hop phenomena that called Storytellers. Mm-hmm. The Storytellers. I and um I remember we showed up and we were told that you're not gonna get in on this first show. But if you stay in the line, there's gonna be a second show. And I stayed in that line with my kids wow. three blocks down from the church. <laughs> and you're going to make me cry. Line. You're going to make me cry. Three, three blocks down. And my kids were antsy because they'd never really been out of like Long Island City. And I stood there. I said, no, I hadn't seen anything yet. But I knew enough from what I'd heard that there's something special that goes on in this house. Mm. And I told my kids, be patient. Wait. Don't move. Wow. And we waited. Wow. And when we got in. Um, our kids, their minds were blown um, and transformed by the power of the gospel, creatively expressed in a way that was relevant and complete for them and their thinking. And I just, and for me, it rocked my thinking on how to approach inner city ministry. That's awesome. Thank you. Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I'm, it's, uh, it's better to hear you talk about it than, for us to talk about it, I know this is an uh, I know this is a podcast and an interview, um, but uh, I still struggle with uh, with um, talking too much about myself or even um, whatever the Lord has graced us to do. So it really is a thrill to sit on this side of the studio and hear you talk about it and to hear the fruit that was uh, produced. Because back in those days, you know, you do what you do. Most of the time, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But you do what you do. You follow the cloud. You follow the fire, and um, and a lot of what God is doing is not made clear, you know, at that moment. I still think about those days a lot. Yeah, uh, that's probably a program in and of itself. Mm. Um, and um, I still uh, still have uh, a lot of uh, uh, bittersweet. Which mm. I love. I, I I'm I'm more afraid of if there's sweet without bitter or bitter without sweet. I like the two together. Mm. Um, I think there were some things that were going on back then that were just um, amazing. I the whole the, the uh, like First Corinthians says or the end of First Corinthians, the Lord was mighty in us. Mm. We testify to that. But at the same time, he was you know using cracked vessels and yeah. And uh, um, but anyway, yeah, storytellers. Um, I, I I think I think it will have. I don't want to use the word cult, but if we understand the the whole idea of a cult sure. following, when when a, when 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 something has a cult following, it it takes on a, a second and third life of its sure. own mm-hmm. past, its own existence. And when I just think about the musical catalog of the storytellers, um, and I could get in trouble for saying this, but that's okay. That's been 
my motif for my whole existence <laughs> is that I, I'm still waiting to hear some things that are reminiscent of of that era that I'm a little frustrated with. I celebrate. I mm. love when local stuff happens. That's I'm talking true. about the local stuff that blows my mind. Yeah. I don't I don't want to go across the river to hear or to be blessed by stuff. I I want it to come from from the city that I love, the city that right. I serve. So I wait patiently yeah. even within hip hop. Um uh, still not hearing a lot of live music. I'm a purist. Um and I struggled through the '80s as a purist, as you know. <laughs> but I'm a purist. I'm not still not hearing. I'm still hearing a lot of Garage Band, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But I'm not hearing a lot of music. Uh, I, I'm not hearing a lot of disciplined songwriters. I'm hearing a lot of cut and paste, and um, and so I, I struggle, you know, with that. But uh, the storytellers where those were some amazing there was amazing songwriting going on and all the musicians were live there were no beats there were no loops and i'm not against that i love mm-hmm. that i've got i got all that stuff at home but um you need sinners on the track mm. a drum machine has no sin in it mm. a sequencer has no sin you need sinners tracking music you need broken vessels that have been washed in the blood when you take sinners out and you bring in sheer digital numbers, um, well, you're you're going to miss some of the humanity and you're going to miss the sound wow. of redeemed right. humanity. Wow! But that's for another show as well. No, maybe. that's for Ooh. this one. Okay, that is. That is <laughs> so that to me rich. is like that's the part of the storytellers' ministry that you know a bunch of busted up, you know, fragmented. Uh, dysfunctional brothers and sisters that brought our brokenness together, and um, and God did some you know amazing uh, things. Yeah, praise God. Well, clearly you're a writer, you're a musician, uh, and like myself, I, I love real music. You know, I've got all the synthesizers and stuff at home too, uh, as as well. Um, but nothing beats you know sitting at that piano and creating and giving birth to. Uh, um, or, or releasing or expressing what God has birthed in that marred vessel, mm. in that broken vessel. A loop can't do that, you know. Um, uh, this, this, if there is such a phrase of capturing an anointing, that 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 would be where it is, you know, you, you, where you can capture what God is actually doing and speaking through through those vessels. And so, but you said that so well, oh, I, I almost want to just stay there. So yeah. let's. But while we're there, you, you know, we we just heard a little bit. From the minstrel, I think. Yeah. Um, tell us, where did this music start for, with you? Oh, you got to go back to mom and dad. Mm. It starts with mom and dad. It starts with a father who is a concert pianist, probably one of the greatest singers on the planet. Mm. Um, he can be heard on on my first three records with the ministry called the Upper Room Music Company. He is my hero. He is where it all. Um, he's the portal that God used to to funnel um, uh, music and passion and uh, and a whole bunch of other problems too because you know we <laughs> you, with every with every blessing comes a burden oh, sure. and with every burden <laughs> comes a blessing but and then my mom who's completely tone deaf was uh, had a different role she was the one who understood my father is the emotional musician my mother was the non musician who was unemotional and and uh, pulled in the discipline hmm. it. In my house, you could not. You brush your teeth and you study piano. Mm-hmm. 
And if you have to give up one, give up brushing your teeth. (laughs) You brush your teeth and you study piano. And it doesn't matter what God anointed you to do. She wasn't interested in, 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 in your gifting. She was interested in the discipline. Mm-hmm. And wow. for me as a drummer, that came naturally. So there was no discipline. Right. Then I didn't need it. I was obsessed with it. And all I want to do is play drums all day. Right. But she knew that I needed something melodic in my life. Because drums, I, I couldn't write a song right. on a drum set. Right. Um, and so she made me, forced me to study piano classically until the age of 18. Mm. I studied with uh, Madame Stajowski. Uh, I studied with um, uh, Mary Louise Cooper. I studied with, um, these are all uh, either professors or from Juilliard uh, or retired professors or concert pianists from Carnegie Hall. All three of, all four of her children. My sister Debbie, who's the real concert you know pianist in the family my sister damaris who you know her as a singer mm-hmm. but yeah. you know damaris uh studied voice and piano and of course joanne the youngest who's also a singer and a musician and all of us can sit at the piano and and you know play you know whatever whatever we hear so mom and dad it was a great combination discipline from mom that that passion from dad and then uh now at 46 years old my mom who lives with alzheimer's one of the one of the um one of the great joys and honors, you know, we say all the time, I could kiss my mother's feet. Well, because of my mom's uh, condition, uh, I don't kiss her feet, but I do put her socks on. She has varicose veins. And uh, every time my my wife, who is uh, an incredible um, caregiver, uh, coming out of almost 20 years in, in, um, in oncology, hematology, all that mm-hmm. other stuff, uh, she is... Um, She's an, an incredible help in caring for my mom and dad alongside my sisters. My, my, my older sister is the primary caregiver there. But when my mom comes over to my house, I have to put on these socks on her in the morning after we bathe her and, and give her her medication. And I put on these socks and um, it, it, putting on those socks is my way of saying, Mom, I could kiss your feet for forcing me to, to, to go to piano lessons because today I'm a songwriter I'm an arranger, I'm a producer, and if it wasn't for my mom and my dad who said, you're doing this whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. And the Bowdoin Center Performing Arts uh, world you know, is trying to sust- uh, keep up and sustain that kind of ethos and that kind of culture for other moms and dads who mm-hmm. kind of feel that Pastor Amy Cortese's philosophy is God's philosophy, you know, Mm. for those that feel that strong about it, where we're like, you know, that's fine. You want to play drums? No problem. But you're going to study piano Mm. and you're going to, and and so years later I can do everything that I can do today because of, uh, of her. So uh, all glory goes to God and the honor goes to mom and dad. And then of course my sisters who bought me all the vinyl (laughs) that I ever wanted. Wow. Mm. Are, the, are you the youngest of the girls? I'm the I mean, baby. the kids. Yeah, of the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I do have three sisters. I, I have a, I have a feminine side to me. When you grow up with three sisters, <laughs> you have a strong feminine side. But, <laughs> but it's a good feminine side. It's <laughs> not. It's, I'm a man. You're in I'm, touch. I'm a man. My wife is here, Melissa. I am a man. Yes, <laughs> Fully man. Fully man. That's awesome. What yeah, a testimony. Yeah. So now you're you're this writer. You're this musician. You're this arranger. You're this producer, and you're also a pastor. Senior pastor. Yeah. Lead pastor. Oh, man. You want me to start talking about that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- I prepared my whole life for music and for uh, 
and for the music world. Um, I was at the, uh, I guess, the top of my game at 19, 18, 19, 20, whatever that was. Um, I had um, just gotten into the Roberta Flack band um, through some great friends who were with her for many years and said there's a young exciting uh, drummer that you need to um, to get in this group and I think at that time Roberta wanted to surround herself with uh, spiritual musicians let's call mm-hmm. it that way she she had a bass player named Larry McRae who was um, just an incredible man of God a hero for me Phil Hamilton one of my mm-hmm. longest partners in music almost 30 years I've been making music with Phil longer than I think I know my wife uh, and some other uh, monsters in that group that were um, somewhat um, followers of Christ. Let's put it that way. And so uh, I, I got a chance to do that. I was playing drums with the Daryl Jones band and Daryl Jones was the bass player for Sting, the Rolling Stones, Miles Davis. And he asked me to be in his band and I was probably eventually going to have access to auditioning for all three of those artist that I mentioned, with the exception of Rolling Stones. Charlie Watts is not going nowhere. <laughs> but I think Sting could have been an opportunity if I was mature enough. Uh, I, I will we'll never know, because that's not what happened. And uh, Miles Davis, you know, uh, again, we'll never know. But uh, I just, um, at, right in the middle of, of that season, crystal clear, I heard the Lord say in an audible voice in the spirit, leave this and go be with your mom. And at that time, um, the church was going through a, a, a heavy a heavy time. We had somewhat of a church split, and uh, my mom was left with not much. And uh, and you know, and she said, you know, would you um, would you you know, would you come and help me? And I said, absolutely. But I re- I heard God speak to me. I called Robert. I said, Robert, I got to leave the group. She said, What are you talking about? I mean, I'm like 18, 19, right, Mel? I'm like, I wasn't even married yet. And um, and I said, I can't explain it, but I've I've heard the Lord tell me to walk away from music and to serve um, alongside my mom in the church. And I became the janitor of the church. Not the musician? No. The, I, oh. I, the janitor, I was one of three different families that rotated cleaning the church. My dream is to go back to that. Mm. To go back to that. I hope when I'm old and gray, they'll you know let me vacuum and mop the church. It's the highest, mm. it's the highest um, office as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then from there, the need grew for music. Uh, what, no, no, youth. Youth. Oh, you really want to get. Yeah. <laughs> you really want to get fixed. Yeah. <laughs> God took me from. You know, it wasn't from glory to glory. It was from like hard to harder to hard, and I went from maintenance to the youth, which was tough, right? Because we were also dating and wanting to get married, and you were the mean. Um, old um, stumbling block to the youth because they were right. They were going to lose me. Yes, I was the reason why they couldn't have you twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we had to work. We had to work out through some stuff because mm. uh, now the need was for youth, and so I started leading the youth ministry, and others, I guess, helped in in, in maintenance. Then music. Then there was a need for music because the musical leadership changed and my mom said, I need help with music. By that time, I had already laid music down, drums down. I wasn't going to go back. Don't even talk to me about choirs and whatever. But there was a need. That's kind of been my my story all along is is just, you know, I, I have this philosophy that, you know, you walk into a room, you see a piece of paper on the floor. 
Pick it up. That's the need. Forget mm-hmm. about your title position. You know where you know. Respond to the need, and yeah. so the need at the time was cleaning the house of prayer. The next need was youth that needed, you know, I guess someone, you know, um, dynamic, charismatic, whatever it is. I don't know. And then the next need was music, and I just responded, and I found myself being taken back into music after I thought, you know. And there's a reason for this, and and I'll 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 get to it as as quickly as I can. And then music, and then as music started to come in, God started um, uh, quickening me to write music, mm-hmm. and I started writing music for the very music ministry that I was leading. That got a little bit more serious and focused, and so then the Upper Room Music Company uh, came out of that, which was really a big vocal group that I led. A lot of the music was performed by musicians, but since I had laid the drums down and I was scared to play again. Uh, I did mainly drum machine and, and sequencing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Then my engineers who have been with me from day one said, you need to get back on the kit. You need to put the kit up in that studio and you need to play again. And on Heavenbound, I believe, maybe brand new song, brand new song was the first time I got back on the drum set. And uh, and that music ministry was was a, a blessing and and had some local I guess success a lot of airplay here in the in New York City through WWDJ you know at the time and uh, and then mom knew all along where this was going wow <laughs> and when you fast forward through all I'm her assistant now leading music I'm her assistant and she's starting to groom me in the early 90s for the pastorate which I was not down for no, I'm your you number were, two guy you were kicking and screaming. At the goats, I'm your number two guy. I'm your number two guy. You, you got, you got a vision. Tell me what you want to do. I'll make it happen. That's that's what I I, I wanted to do. You know, pastor Amy was a well known evangelist, and so while she was pastoring, she was still taking on speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. And so when she knew that uh, she would be transitioning uh, Joseph into this responsibility, on occasion she would say, "Okay, kid, you're going to preach," mm-hmm. and um, he didn't want to. And so being the musician that he is and creative with all of the equipment, he would wake his mom up at the hotel room and he'd connect the phone to a speaker and he'd say, okay, mom, um, yeah, we're here at church. Uh, why don't you speak to the congregation? And he'd get her to actually preach from wherever she was so that he would not have to Mike deliver the, the word. Phone. Yeah, you're, you're doing I, tech, I technol- technology that, that, that and, wasn't and, even in existence. That was the first out. live streaming before yeah, it became oh, popular. And listen, yeah. and, and listen, you know, because if, 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 if this show is allowed to go PG-13, um, my mom was also involved in a long, drawn-out litigation court case with uh, with PT. TL and Jim Baker. That mm. was the you know the the biggest court case of what. And my mom lived literally in North Carolina for like a year for for grand jury and that whole investigation. Wow. Wow. And during that time, I was not preaching. That's not my gifting. And so, like my, my wife said, I would mic up the speakerphone, get up in your hotel room, and preach to your church. And she would. Mm. Because she knew that God was going to have to deal with me, and he and he did, and he deal. And and, and fast forwarding in nineteen, you know, ninety eight, um, I finally stopped kicking at the goats and accepted, you know, um, the 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 passing of the mantle. I, 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 many conversions had to happen. First of all, I didn't even like the church. I didn't like his people. <laughs> I didn't like any. I like God. It wasn't I that liked you didn't you. like. 
God's people, or no, you just I just like, like the people there? I just there? like Jesus. I don't like. <laughs> okay. I don't like. If the, if the church could be me, Jesus, and the building, it would be that awesome. Would be fine, huh? And he had to give me his heart. So I, I first I had to get born again. You know, whenever that was, I've had a few born again dates. But then he had to to save me and convert me again to fall in love with his body. Mm. These are my people. You're a part of it. So I had to, and then another conversion to fall in love with those who left the church because I became the pastor. I'm sure not Amy Cortese. Imagine you're under her ministry, following her, saved under her voice, under her discipleship, and then she steps down and you got to follow her little punk snot son <laughs> who's just into himself. I would not want to do it anyway. I would have, right. I would have <laughs> left the church too. So now I had to fall in love with, he had to give me a heart for everyone that left. That was, that was another conversion. But you guys were together then by that time, right? You were still together? Yeah, but were... Melissa was no fool. She stayed in medicine for 10 years, <laughs> and I was pastoring the church without my wife being in full-time medicine. She, she knew you me. needed an income, huh? <laughs> my boys used to say, they still say today, come on, Dad, you know Mom makes the money in the house, not you. True. Well, we're going to take a quick break. This is so good. I can just really sit and listen to you because the story is amazing. Yeah. There's got to be a book on the table at wow. some point now. Wonderful. We'll be right back yeah. after this short break. conversation that we having with Pastor Cortese and his wife, Melissa. Before the break, we were just wrapping up the tail end of how you got thrusted into pastoring. <laughs> Phenomenal story, you know. Uh, and clearly your mom knew something that you didn't know. Uh, clearly she heard from the Lord and said, this is it. Invest in this. Pour into this kid, you know, uh, because this is your number two guy, as you so well uh, plainly put it. Uh, but that can't be the end of the story because you guys were together. You and your were you married at that time? You were yes, you were married, we were married. and you were in medic. I was in medicine, in medicine. Um, and had no intentions of leaving medicine. Yeah. I participated in the church. I I served in Sunday school and enjoyed doing that. But that was really to the extent that I expected uh, my participation to mm-hmm. be. 
And on one particular occasion, my husband was hijacked into ordination. At least that's how we refer to refer to it. Now, when you um, say hijacked, that means he didn't know what was happening. Exactly. Wow. He was clueless to what was they happening. They cover his head, you know, put well, yeah, tie it, his it hands. kind of felt like I mean, that. It was, a, it was a crusade. It was a Sunday night crusade. Yes. Marianne Brown, uh, the late Marianne Brown, who's in, with the Lord right now, was our guest, and she would come. Uh, once a year to speak, three night crusades, standing room only, uh, mm-hmm. a truly a prophetess, and um, and so she was there for that weekend. So anyway, continue. It's in the middle of this crusade. Mm-hmm. She's preaching, and um, something strange is happening in the room. And she was part of the presbytery of a denomination that would eventually ordain my husband. Mm-hmm. And so um, on that particular night, we just started noticing a different crowd of people entering the building, a crowd that we were not accustomed to because we were primarily a Latino and African-American congregation. Mm -hmm. And so when you see elderly white people come into the church, kind of strikes, uh, catches IRS, your attention. Were you concerned it was the government or something? <laughs> I thought the Mormons were coming to visit or something. Or, or. Because they were down the block. I mean, we welcome all, but it was just definitely uh, wow. struck a, a curious chord in us. And um, at one point in the service, they asked my husband and I to come up to the stage, to the pulpit. And this group of white Americans followed us and we we're like, okay, that's why they're here. And... They started. But you came up out of obedience. You had no idea what was happening. Yeah, because yes. her ministry. Uh, her, this was a woman who who prophesied, and so for her to call me and Melissa up and to mm-hmm. sit in a chair would have been very normal for Mary Ann okay. Brown to do, and to anoint us to lay hands to speak a word of, gotcha. of, of yeah. knowledge, wisdom over. She did that on a regular basis. We all we knew we were going to hear from the Lord when she mm-hmm. came. As okay. we knew, you better confess all your sin a, a week in advance because when she comes, she will unzip you oh, and tell you everything that's in your mm-hmm. heart. That was one wow. of her thi- I, Yeah, Oh yeah, I, I, I got straightened out real quick. Actually, she was a person that uh, spoke over Joseph. She once came over to him and said, you know, the Lord is going to use you mightily in stage and in theater. And um, my husband looked at her like, okay, lady, you're crazy. You know nothing about me because I'm a musician and I don't do theater and I don't do stage or anything that's related to that. Fast forward a couple of years. Nikki, no, six months. Well, Nikki Cruz is in our home. And he just happened to be visiting, and after service, we're hanging out in my house, and he says, Joseph Henry. Yeah, I got to talk, I got to talk to you, Joseph. <laughs> J-O-S-E-T, Joseph. He says, the and Lord, I knew something was up. He said the Lord had put in his heart that he was to entrust him with putting his life story on stage. Wow. Wow. And so that was like, you know. That's when we got chills, because we were like, okay. And then someone, uh, brother, uh, Pastor Al Cortez, was in the room, and he said, uh, can I talk to you, you know, inside? He goes, didn't Mary Ann Brown prophesy over you that you would be used in theater and drama and stage, whatever? And I was like, oh, I'm mm. not. Like that scene in <laughs> Crossing the Switchblade, I'm not digging this scene at all. <laughs> but anyway, so she calls us up to the pulpit. So it was customary for us to follow in obedience to right. anything that Mary Ann Brown had to say. And, um, and then the presbytery followed her, and they literally just began charging us and laying hands on us wow. and speaking over us and um we could not fight yeah and they said we are ordaining you my mom is a very very smart woman she knew a couple things um so listen up y'all 
she knew that there were wolves in the church that were going to try to take me out uh, once she passed the mantle. So the transition was slowly, mm-hmm. slowly, so slowly that it was painful, that it would kill you before you could kill it. Methodical, though. Yeah, very methodical. Um, slowly, probably from early 90s all the way to 98. Mm. That transition, but but she loves her church. Mm-hmm. She loves his church, but she mm-hmm. loves the church that she's been entrusted to. And she always knew that you, if you turn the wheel of that bus real fast, everyone will go flying. Yeah. So she turned the bus slowly. She, she couldn't have been more gentle to one of the most precious expressions in the world of the body of Christ at Crossroads. I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's an honor and privilege for me and Melissa to serve this, to serve this community. But she turned it slowly. And, and then the other thing that she did was she called in these secret weapons that she had. She called in her Fountainhead Congregation, which is a denomination that ordained me. They said, listen, my son needs covering. He needs credentials because they're going to kill him. And he needs a covering. Would you do it? They said, absolutely. Uh, I had no education. I still, technically, I still say I don't. I have a high school diploma. But when God got a hold of me, I became a self-feeder. And you you couldn't stop me from, from just diving into his word. But she knew that I needed my sacred cows, namely her discipleship, mm-hmm. to come crashing down too. And that I had to find get a hold of God in terms of my thinking, my theology for myself right. and stop quoting mom and start knowing what the word is for me. Yeah. So she calls in Seminary of the East, Dr. Ben Alisea Lugo, who is the um, dean of studies at that time and says, my son only has a high school education. He has no undergrad. I need this kid to get his bell rung by um, some theologians and preferably non-Pentecostal theologians mm. because we already Sure. We, we already yeah. come from a Pentecostal right. background yeah. and That's she good. wanted me, she wanted me to either hook up with the Baptist or the reform. Cause she knew that I, I would, I would stay straight mm-hmm. and I could speak all the tongues I want at home, but she wanted a sound biblical education. And for her, she just did not like what her denomination was, was offering at that time for her son. Yeah. So she throws me into a Southern Baptist seminary, wow. which to me was literally like Bonhoeffer's little underground confessing church. It was a small satellite of Bethel, couldn't find a home. Every year we were studying in a different church, a different basement, couldn't get a library, so we couldn't get accredited, but it was like built for me. Mm. And to Professor John Wargle and Wendy Corbin and Dick Conser and to all of you that are out there, uh, Lawrence Taylor, oh, the, 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 these are the people that saw me come in, this little boy, and took me. They hid me. They literally hid me uh, under their wings of, of education and, um, and um, exposed me to Life Together and Dietrich Bonhoeffer and exposed me to, to Henry Nguyen and to, and to Dallas Willard and to Richard Foster and to all these men who I've— who, and, and women that I'm indebted to and have had the privilege of even meeting them. And uh, and they got me my my little edumacation <laughs> so that wow. I could stand up, you know, to people, you know, well, first of all, for my own edification, but to be able to say that I, that, you know, I, I'm ready for this moment. So that's why we were hijacked with ordination, hijacked with education, hijacked with, what was the third category? Uh education, hijacked with ordination. Yeah, all that stuff because I wasn't I wasn't down with any of it. I just mm. mom, I just want to be your number 2 boy. Mm. And God had a different uh plan and so here we are 30 years later. Wow. We're 30 years old. 
<laughs> 18, 15 or 18 of those, you know, under, under my senior leadership. And um, the beat goes on. That's awesome. I, I almost don't want to break, but we have to. Yeah. Well, we don't really have to because nobody's paying us to. We can do whatever we want There's to no do. There's commercial here. Yeah. I mean, but we're gonna, we, we are going to take a break because you've got some music. Cause we're going to talk about your music uh, when we come back. Oh, yeah, music. But can you send us music, to a yeah. break? What I've got this CD in my hand. And I got to tell you, I have a righteous envy right now because I'm looking at this studio <laughs> photo it's, here. It's amazing. You that's, know, that's and we my, don't have that's space. My that's we're my maxed mother's, out. That's my mother's studio. That's, that's, I, I didn't build that studio. My mother said, go get the best architect in the world. It's phenomenal. I said, Mom, we can't afford the best architect in <laughs> I said, what do you have to lose? You got the second best then. Uh, John okay. St- I got oh yeah, the second best. Right. The grand architect, yes. But anyway. Take us to a break with one of these one of these songs from this project. Uh well, we we do believe that the hit of this of the record, even though we don't we're not anticipating a hit, but uh-huh. again and again. Again and again. Is very, very special. That's Track ten on the Sal- Salter remixed, volume one, again and again. streams of water So I long for you My God I thirst for you Living God When can I come And stand before While my enemies taunt me Saying, where is your God? Why am I discouraged? Why am I so sad? I will put my trust in Save. 
And we're back. And I tell you, that was again and again from the Psalter Remixed, Volume 1, Pastor Joseph Henry Cortese. Uh, is this available now? People can get this. Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day. Oh, so this right. is perfect. Yeah, you got you have one of them f- perfect. for promotional use only CDs. You can get hand. this, and where will it be available? Uh, where? Uh, everywhere. Uh, any Every down every digital download uh, home that you mm-hmm. like to get your music from, but... If I can make a, a plug, yes, the um, the iTunes copy is mastered for iTunes, and wow, all the newest music that you're hearing today, when it has that little logo that says "mastered for mm-hmm. iTunes," it means that your music is coming from the 96 kilohertz, 24 um, bit master, mm-hmm. which means, crazily enough, bigger that the CD is now a dinosaur. Yeah. That's 44, 16-bit. So if you download it on iTunes, you're getting uh, a quality and a pristine. Uh, you're going to get Steve Watson and Alan Douches's finest reference yeah. for that recording. Um, you won't get it from any of the other places like Amazon. Sorry, Amazon. Or, C- or CD Baby, who is really, they're really the agent. We love CD Baby. Yeah. But the iTunes copy. Thanksgiving Day, when you get up, after you get your turkey in the oven, go straight to iTunes and download it. Awesome. And, um, That's awesome. nice. Yeah. Well, we've got it here in the studio at TSC Music, and we're going to certainly make sure that our people know about it and make sure that uh, they're downloading. Appreciate it. On Christmas Day. There's several- Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Music. Oh, I'm sorry. But what you can download Christmas? it on Christmas you Day, You can too. get it Christmas, too, but get it before <laughs> Christmas and give it to somebody. So get two or three copies, by, by the way. There are a number of musicians on this project. Uh, one I recognize, well, a couple I recognize, but Patrick- we're not going to talk about him a lot, but... Uh, <laughs> Patrick Andriancio. Yeah, why, why, why don't you get him? It wasn't, you, you got two other bass players on here. Because we're in Times Square Church has some <laughs> phenomenal musicians. And uh, actually, Patrick, before he worshipped here, he worshipped at my sister's church, Manhattan Grace right. Tabernacle. Oh, okay. And so, um, you know, my family, uh, my family didn't want me to know about Patrick. They don't really want me to know about any of their musicians. <laughs> Because my sister and my niece know that when you f- meet my Uncle Joe or my brother Joe, we're going to lose you. That's it. And that's not, that, that we, we don't want to lose. We don't want them to ever leave any of their houses of worship. But we did get exposed to Patrick, and he's a special, special uh, musician. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah we love um, him. But before Patrick, phenomenal was Manny Lanzot, and still is. He was mm-hmm. our bass player for almost everything I've ever done, and he's a, a local hero to the Patricks and the Jordans and, and all the others. So uh, shout out to Manny Lanzat. And then Patrick uh, has been a part of some of the latest stuff, you know, that I've done. But unfortunately, Patrick is bumped. <laughs> you know somebody better? Well, he, uh, not somebody that's better, but uh, be careful who you teach bass to. <laughs> because they might be better than you one day. Well, isn't that the goal of teaching and yes. mentoring and pouring into yes, people. That, so. Yes, that Patrick be unemployed <laughs> and that your students are employed. But I'm honored because Patrick was faculty at the Bowdoin Center. and um, Which we still need to talk about. Right. Yeah, we, okay. But anyway, Patrick was uh, faculty and uh, my oldest son was is a drummer. He's a great drummer. But... He was getting frustrated with just percussion. He um he his he was he was becoming more melodically um inclined. He wanted to Wonder play something. Where he got that from? 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to take it back. <laughs> for me, his tone deaf mother. There you go. His tone deaf yes. mother. <laughs> and I happen to have a bass sitting around the house, and actually, it wasn't sitting around. It is. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a piece that you hang up and you talk about. Pastor Jason Alvarez from the Love of Jesus yes. Family Church owns a 1960 owned a 1960. I think a 65 or a 63. Uh, I'm sorry, Jordan, if I messed up the year. Telecaster bass. Uh-huh. Those bass players that know these are these are very um, desirable vintage instruments. He gave, I heard he had one, and I produced his record, um, uh, Unfailing Love, one of mm. my favorite records. Mm. And um, and I said, I heard you have a Telecaster bass. He went, yeah. I says, man, what I would do to have that. What I would do to have that. <laughs> what I would do to And on the third, what I would do to have that. Guess what? He gave it to me. Wow. My son sees it sitting in the house. He decides to pick it up, fiddle with it, asks Patrick if he would teach him. And in one year... My son became uh, like a virtuoso. He mastered the instrument technically, uh, the, the, the anatomy, the physiological mm-hmm. aspect of it. He, my son understands from the nut down to the bridge. He's, he's a technician as well. He could build his own bass if he wanted wow. to. And he started to practice. Melissa, we, we would have to tell him it's four o'clock in the morning. You've got to go to bed. Mm. But he would practice scales Till he till his fingers fell off, and um, and which which was amazing. He didn't have to motivate him at all, and he became a monster. And so oh, my band is my <clears throat> sons. Yeah. My son Donovan is an incredible piano player. My son Jordan. My band. You want to come see me cry and see my boogers coming out of my nose? Come on a Sunday morning where Dad's on the drums, Donovan's on the um keyboards and jordan's on the bass and i have other sons mm-hmm. and daughters that fill in around them so i'm i'm totally surrounded and i have sons that are drummers there's a 16 year old drummer in my church right now that write his name down john lopez jr write it down mm. he's an animal mm. 16 wow. he's an animal wow there's there's something here though and harry you might want to take note every drummer we talked about so far actually plays bass. Harry's been trying to play bass. He's in the office sometime just plucking away. You become a better dr- you'll become a better drummer if you study bass. You'll you'll learn what the front end of the quarter note is and what the back end of the quarter note is as opposed to just being on the beat. Bass, on the beat. Uh, when you're a bass player, you learn what the true duration of a quarter note is. Mm, you feel it. Yeah. Man, it's so I- good. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed listening because like we've we've dove deep into the music aspect of of what God's doing in your life, and and yet I'm sitting here catching these other little pieces. Like you say, you say my sons. Oh, I've got other sons too. That other musicians, mm-hmm. and so I'm sitting back here going, wait. And even all the while with all this music and the album and the Bowden Center, which we're still getting to, but right. he's discipling. Oh, absolutely, and yeah. lead pastor. And his wife, first lady, is sitting right beside him. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I had to do that for you, <laughs> Melissa. And, and so somebody's gonna check his blood pressure every now. So and then, you know though, right? he's getting the hubby life on, you know. Um, and it's just like full package. Yeah. Um, this oh, is ministry man. at its best. Yeah. And and you know, and we haven't, you know, at least personally, I haven't been there, but uh, I've heard a lot about it over the years. And then to finally have you here, and then to hear your heart. 
uh, for discipling people and growing up other young people. Yeah. Uh, and then to know the connection with truce and oh how this goodness. whole thing birthed, because that's where Dave and I met. We yeah, met through I didn't want to go down there truce, and just get but, all emotional <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, because... But I think the point, I think the thing is, is that it's bigger than Joseph Cortese. It has to be. It's bigger than Melissa. It's bigger than your children. It's bigger than the church. It's bigger than the music. It's bigger than all of that. There there are many, many people. I think, you know, we say it often that Pastor William would say, you know, we got to thank God for the people we see that we reach. But then also thank him for the ones that we don't see that are being reached. That's 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 kept for eternity. And I've said it before. Remember, I've said it before with just when I was working on the cross and the switchblade and just diving deeper into just the book and pastor David Wilkerson's life about how in his response in obedience to what God told him to do, to pack his things and go to New York city, it, our response and obedience to God creates a ripple effect in the kingdom. And so I look at just you and listening to the story about you responding in obedience to what God wanted you to do and the prophetic word for you to do, Run Baby Run. I mean, it's the reason why Patrick and Alicia came to me in 1999 and said, God started something in 1997, and now we have to continue the journey, mm-hmm. and we want you to come along. And I'm a part of that ripple effect of your obedience to God. Wow. Wow. I don't don't know what to say. Um about that, but um, I will I will receive it and ask the Lord to make it spirit and life to my bones. Mm-hmm. I'm only I'm 46. You know, I, I a lot of a lot of our talk here today, I think, is reminiscent of of people that are maybe 20 or 30 years older. So I I take I'm very grateful that at 46, um, I have figured out that. I got to be a part of something that's bigger than myself, sure. as you just said, and um, I got to give it away now, not later. Give it away now, um, in terms of like discipleship and stuff like that. And uh, uh, I feel a lot older than I am, but I'm. Me and my wife actually are very excited about growing older, and 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 um, even if that means slowing down, but. There are things that are happening. We've lived a lot of life for 46. I got to say, you know, in all this talking, it's, it's, I mean, 46 is like you're you're only halfway or a little more than halfway, but God has been, you know, very, very generous to us. And um, we want to, we want to give this, you know, um, away now. Um, Mm. Yeah. So, but thank you. Thank you. I, I, I don't know that ripple effect. You, you know, you, you have to share that and that, that um that that's what me and Melissa will be talking about on the way home is these other things that are happening that are so beyond our our little story yeah i th- i think that um you know just in hearing that that the reality is is that if we just choose to be obedient to what we're being asked to do i think if i would borrow from uh the urban vernacular mm-hmm. contrary to that would be to be thirsty for something and so there's so many people that uh because unfortunately, we hear more about that. People sure, aspiring sure. Yeah. to either do certain things in ministry or to be recognized in a certain way in ministry, as opposed to, as my husband mentioned earlier, recognizing that there's a need and that God is looking to use 
each and every one of us with what he's poured into us in terms of giftings and talents. But really, ultimately, I think it's just the obedience that he's looking yeah. for us to exercise. Yeah, that's a, and so that's a great point. And so as a result of that comes that trickle effect mm-hmm. because um, I think that thing that God has deposited in us becomes awakened. And uh, we then move and operate yeah. in, in the way that he's calling us. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Right, right. I think being, you said thirsty uh, before uh, in the urban context. Um, I don't have a problem with that as long as you have died first. Mm. Unless you unless it dies, mm-hmm. it cannot come back to life. And for me, when I left the music world and entered a small little storefront church to help keep it clean, uh, it was it was a way of me having to lay at the altar that which I thought I was preparing for my whole life, this my purpose, you know, drummer, musician. I had all these dreams, and those dreams are beautiful. But until it, that seed falls to the ground and dies, yeah. I don't think I could ever be entrusted with anything after that. If it dominates, rules, you know, um, and, and um, completely shapes the direction of how I live, then I'm in big, big trouble. So there was a death that needed to take place with music, the arts, and all that stuff, because that stuff cannot have a grip on me. Yeah. It could, the only thing that can have a hold on me is Jesus. Right. Yes, nothing else can have a hold on me. And and while we give him the glory and credit and say it's all about him, he knows the real deal. Yes. And um, when I say it has to die, I mean like your friends call you up and you say, "I don't do that no more." Mm. And that's when you know it's really right. dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then God says. Okay, that's good. It's been dead long. Five years, that's good. And now I'm going to raise it up. Yeah, because now, now something's being birthed. Something else is being birthed. Yeah. And and, and again, that music becomes the byproduct of what God is doing in our lives. Byproduct, yeah, you know? I love that. I love that. It's the kingdom first. I'm yeah. a kingdom guy. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, you know I'm, not, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm a kingdom guy. I, I believe, you know, um, revealing the likeness of the Father is all we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Um, it's about the kingdom, the kingdom that has begun. Uh, and and the full culmination of it when we see him will be like him. Um, but I'm I'm a kingdom guy. I want every song on the Psalter to point to a kingdom. That's what Jesus came to announce. Why? What? I, I got no business announcing anything different than Mark one sixteen seventeen whatever it is. The kingdom of God is that you know is that hand repent turn you know right. and um, so anyway that's the. That's a little bit to say. I didn't say before earlier that that whole journey, it's not to make me sound humble. It's to talk about a necessary death that has to happen before the seed can come up yes. and produce the real good stuff. Right, right. And I and I, I hope and pray that I'm living in a season that is the the the, the fruit of a particular death in, in that area of my life so that he could raise me up again. Um, so anyway. You, your wife used the term thirsty, which I love, because as you're talking, you know, you remember Jesus is at the well and this woman is at the well and, and, and uh, you know, and, and he shares with her, you know, the water I give, you know, you, you'll thirst no more after that. But then she runs and she shares, you know, could this be the guy? Mm. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm thinking as you, you know, as a musician, as a writer, as a producer, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, you get all these things, you get all this responsibility, both of you. And all of this tugging. And so there's always something else to get into. Easy. I mean, I'm sure that you mm-hmm. can put your hands to 50,000 things and, and and it's all just waiting for you, for Pastor Joe to touch. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and we all go through it. You know, if Jesus had got off 
from the well. You know, because I think sometimes Pastor Carr and I had this discussion a little while ago. Sometimes we just got to sit at the well and allow the Lord to bring people to us. Mm-hmm. And we can be so busy with all of our talents and our skills and all of our abilities uh, that we start doing so many different things that we leave the well. You know, and everybody that that one person that Dave would have gone to tell about, if we leave the well and start putting our hands on a bunch of other things, mm-hmm. Pastor Joe's no longer there because he went off to do something else. But what I'm hearing, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is that not only did were you obedient to God, but you stayed where he put you. Mm. There were opportunities to do some other things. There were opportunities probably to go some other places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is what he's called me to and this is where I'm going to be. Yeah, that's uh, as a matter of fact. There's a one of the most significant, um, or, or the 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 the, the, the a real turning point um, in in my life uh, to 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 accept what exactly what you're talking about is the fact that when the Upper Room Music Company came out with their second record, it was called Brand New Song. There was a song on there called A New Walk. A new walk was being played here. I mean, George Flores couldn't. I mean, the guy was just running it here, mm-hmm. and it had gotten um, some exposure. And then uh, we went out to the West Coast to do a, a West Coast tour, and uh, Word Records and Ocean Records and and uh, all those people over there wanted to meet me, and I got my attorney, and uh, and um, we had a big meeting, um, and the, uh, you know, this was going to be the big signing. You know, I mean, Word Records, you couldn't. That was the that was Mecca, you know, back yeah. in, in the eighties. Yeah. And um and my attorney, I sat down there, heard the deal, heard all the details, and my attorney looked at me and said, Let's get out of here. And I said, I said, um, it was John Barker from Nashville. I said, John, what are you talking about? And I'm I'm really young. I'm like 20, 21, mid 22, really young. And he said, We're leaving this place. And I'm like, why? He says, Because they're looking to to to, you know rape you as they say you know in in terms of business and music mm-hmm. I, I wish i could find a better word but anyway and i was real bitter about that because it was the closest i ever came mm-hmm. to um a record deal mm-hmm. and my attorney had me w- walk away and i remember pastor san mesa looked at me and said you better be ready to sell cds out of the back of your trunk for the rest of your life because your calling may be literally to Castle Hill, mm-hmm. and he's not going to let certain doors open up that's going to remove you right. from where he wants you. And yeah. we have never, we've never left. I mean, we've never, we've never done anything that would remove us from the care and, ten, and tending to this small local fellowship in the Bronx. I mean, you hear a lot about Crossroads, but we still call ourselves we're a small fellowship in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. We're not a mega church. I don't care what the building looks like. But we're a small church that God is, you know, making disciples uh, at. And um, we can't, me and Melissa can't really talk or entertain anything else that involves us, unless the Lord makes it very clear, we can't go nowhere. We're called to a people. We're called, as a matter of fact, these are the people that are helping us to grow up into a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. I lead the, I lead them, but they lead me Mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid, um, I'm not afraid to 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 be close to the people that I pastor and lead because they're the ones, man, they were there when I was 16, 17, right. you know, snotty little punk. Yeah. They were there. And uh while I lead them, they also are the they're the they're the soil where where we are becoming what we need to become. And so we really have no business, you know, doing uh, anything else. And if we are if my CDs don't go or my music doesn't go beyond you know the the tri-state area 
then that's what it is. And we accept that because we're we're at his service. We're, we do his bidding. Mm-hmm. He's not, I'm not, God wasn't made for my pleasure. Right. I was made for, <laughs> for his, his pleasure. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I, I may I may have needed to hear you you know talk about this idea of stay at the well, mm. just you know in case I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the Psalter. Michael Ruff is the special guest on the record. He's, he's one of the most amazing singers songwriters. He's had a tremendous success. Just him being on the record is going to get um, I'm sure a lot of attention. Um, but I'm Lord knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got man. I got, I got a wife. I got two boys. I got a, a, a small church in the Bronx. And I thank God for, um, you know, for Studio on the Hill so I could stay home and mm-hmm. make music. Yeah. Don't have to go anywhere and, you know, and, and, and do anything. And so. Wonderful. I can stay on the cook, <laughs> keep the grill steaks going, you know. Oh, we are, we don't have enough time. We, we got to have you back. Yeah. Uh, and I know you guys got to run. But I, I got to tell you, this, is, this has been uh, an honor. Thank you. A real, we'll come real back pleasure anytime, anytime. to have you with uh, us wait, today. Yeah, thank you. Hey, uh, just in a, in a minute or so, could you just give us a little bit? Um, an update on the Bowdoin Center. Bowdoin Center is uh, in its going into its tenth uh, year, tenth uh, or eighth, tenth. I think it's its tenth year. Um, founded again, sorry, by my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Bowdoin was had two disciplines: uh, dance and um, and music, or music and dance. Um, dance actually grew even bigger than the music department, but uh, we felt that in this 10th year we needed to return to our roots mm-hmm. and give it um, the kind of attention and bandwidth, margins and resources that it needs. So we have um, have gone back to a music-only school. Starts in uh, starts up again in January. We would normally start in September. Has the delayed, delayed start of December, uh, excuse me, January 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, registration is throughout the month of December. With interviews and auditions, uh, we are now uh, tuition free. We are we're pursuing funds and support and all that from 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 different streams because we don't want money to be uh, uh, again in the way wow. of uh, a child or an adult or a teenager that wants to study music. But obviously, we only have so much faculty. We have about about. Uh, six or eight, I believe, on staff. They're phenomenal. These are my lifelong friends mm-hmm. that are phenomenal musicians, and they are very similar to me. They're my age, and they want to give it away. Yeah. So that's uh, the faculty is phenomenal. Um, recording arts, uh, private instrument, jazz performance, jazz fusion workshop, um, uh, private lessons in guitar, bass, woodwinds, uh, any of that, and any of those things. January January eleventh, we start. And um, the Bowdoin Center is what I hope to be doing. Uh, if if pastoring comes to an end, I, I still hope that um, that mm-hmm. I'll be mm-hmm. doing the Bowdoin Center. That that's my that's my baby. That's my pride wow. and joy. And um, and um, that's so awesome. Uh, and yeah. for those that don't know where the Bowdoin Center is, it's at Crossroads. Uh, Crossroads is the home of the Bowdoin Center, thirteen twenty Castle Hill Avenue in the Bronx. www.bowdoincenter b o d e n bowdoincenter dot com all the information is there. Awesome. The pictures, the downloads, the application. Um, JosephHenryCortese.com for anything that has anything to do with the storyteller. Uh, storyteller, the Salter. Excuse me. <laughs> the Salter oh, who God. tells a different story. He's taking a long story, journey yeah. in this podcast. We totally yeah. understand. <laughs> well, Pastor Jill, thanks for coming. First Lady Melinda, I mean Melinda, Melissa, excuse okay. me. We love it. I we love all those things. Say, yeah. We love Melinda. We like Melinda too. And you can call us all those things, but thank oh, you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much. We had your sister with us some time ago. 
Yeah, oh, she ever told you that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah that's my she... that's my real mother. <laughs> She's the one. Who, that's for another time. That's for another time. And uh, yeah. she also dropped me. That's why my skull is so big. She dropped me, and um, that explains everything. But, uh, oh my goodness! Damaris is my mother, my mother, my mother, my real mother. Well, we um, again are so delighted. Awesome. Yeah, to have you guys. And again, we will yeah. be sure to have you back. And we're going to come up. We're going to come pay a visit. Come on. Awesome. Uh, for sure. Uh, uh, so thanks so much. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. David Ham. And join us again next time right here on TSC Music with a Mission. in what you hear and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music With A Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet and don't forget to use the hashtag MWM Podcast. Watch and share videos on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash TSC Music TV. And of course, you can always email us or visit the website. The email address is music at timesquarechurch.org and the website is tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco.